You didn't hear me this morning, did you? It's early in the morning on the third day and the seventh day. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. At least I got one good amen there. That was good. How many of you are here tonight still? During worship, and that was, that was a portal. That worship, you know, worship can be a portal. An open doorway, a gateway into the realm of the Spirit. It really can. Jesus walked up to me. And he stood in front of me. And he said, I'm going to release the new thing. I said, Lord, what's the new thing? He said, I'm going to release the new thing. I said, yes, Lord, but what's the new thing? He smiled. And he said, may I have your permission? I thought, what? I said, Lord, you don't need my permission, but sure. And he turned and he, I mean, he stood, I mean, he, he went right into me. He stood up in me. And I feel him now. I said, Lord, what is this? He said, you've taught about it for years. God's people are now going to be recognized as God's people because he's going to be seen in them. Something shifted in this room tonight. How that's going to walk out in our lives, I don't know yet. But uh, not only can he be in me, he can be in you. He could, listen, he's standing right here. It's another thing he told me tonight. He wants to minister to people on his own. Now, we've watched, the, we, we, Reshman and I have had this in meetings before, where the Lord said, I don't want you to pray for anybody. I'm going to do it. I said, okay, Lord, what do we do? He said, tell them I'm standing here. Have them line up. Come up to me one at a time and I will minister to them. You know we have seen people delivered, healed, instant weight loss, even hair. Not loss. It's been, and, and because I see him, I get to watch what he's doing. And it's, it's been, so I'm going to... I'm going to wait on the Lord when he gives me... I don't care if I'm in mid-syllable. I'm going to stop. Is that okay? Yes. Please. What, please stop? <laughs> ah, so. Eighteen years ago, I'm not a morning person. I, you know, I, I spent ten years in the military, so I was up at... Zero dark 30. 4.30, 5 in the morning. And so it doesn't matter if I got up then. I usually wake up about noon after I've had some Joe, you know. And um, so the Lord oftentimes catches me in those moments when I'm just coming out of sleep. You know, you're laying in bed and everything. You're at rest. There's peace. So this isn't in the way. And Holy Spirit came and said, Can a man be translated by faith? And I'm laying there going, um, 
Well, if he's asking me, must be possible. I said, yes, sir, I believe so. He said, good, prepare. <laughs> I said, but Lord, how do I do that? He said, I just told you by faith. <laughs> that was it. I got up. You know, you take your shade. All day long I'm going, what, in, what is that? I don't even know what translation is. I know what transfiguration was, but... And so I'm just kind of in this fugue for a few, two days, actually three days, going, what are you talking I forgot about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now that would have been, I, I didn't even consider Enoch because I'd never focused there before. But I'm like, what are you talking about? And on the third day, <clears throat> very prophetic, we're on the third day from Jesus, a day being as a thousand years. I got a phone call from some friends that had a Bible school in Spokane. She said, you know, I had a dream last night, and you were in it. I said, a oh, nightmare. <laughs> she said, but you were teaching at our school. I'm waiting, and she's just kind of hesitant. And I said, okay. She said, well, there are only 12 students. I said, that's a good number. It's kind of biblical. She said, but you were teaching the most unusual course. I never heard of this. I said, what? She said, translation by faith. I said, excuse me? She said, yeah, and you taught up to the first break about 10.30 in the morning, and you said, now, if you want the rest of this, follow me. And you vanished. And only three students were able to follow you. I said, three's a good number. You know, Jesus took three aside, Peter, James. I said, wow. I said, do you remember the scriptures I was using? Teaching. <laughs> She waited a minute. She said, yeah, I do. I said, write them down quick. And she wrote them down. That's where I started. This has been supernatural from the start. You know, we learned years ago that God will never, let me say that again. The Lord will seldom ever ask you to do something you can do. Because there's no faith involved. He will always provoke you and challenge you beyond what you're capable of, so you must have faith and trust in him. So he started with this, and I'm like, what? So I took the scriptures that I was given, and, and they all talked about portals, doorways, gateways, windows, ancient paths, and understanding, heavy on Proverbs 2. And so I just began to take those scriptures and I began to do my word study. I tore them apart. And I, it, like I said, I have three complete Bible software packages. Yeah, I know. I have a huge library with all word study things. I took them apart every way I could and looked at them. And, and I began to discover some interesting things. And after I had done that for about three months, I said, okay. That was good. It began a process, but it's not enough. I'm going to go back to Genesis and read from Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to start going through the whole scripture to discover if there's any more about this in the Bible. Well, I got to Genesis chapter 5. Actually, Genesis chapter 1, if you study ancient texts and the Hebrew, this was normal for Adam and Eve. You know the ancient Hebrews teach that the Garden of Eden was a place outside of time. 
And so in this place called paradise, which you have access to, because you're redeemed, they would, now he was created out of the dust, the Lord put them in the garden, you read it, and they began to fulfill their destiny and their calling of naming and quantifying everything that God created, but they would step back and forth between two dimensions. That's what, they, that's what the rabbis believe. That's what they taught years ago. As a matter of fact, since I'm talking about that, remember when God <clears throat> spoke to Noah? He said, I will, my spirit will not always strive with fresh, flesh, so the number of man's years will be 120 years. <clears throat> so, for gener- you know, I've heard all my Christian life people say, well, God said we can have 120 years, we're going to believe by faith. I don't have a problem with that. But if you go back to the Hebraic understanding, that's not what he said at all. What he said was, the first Adam has been given 120 jubilee cycles. 6,000 years. That's it. That's his stewardship over planet Earth. 6,000 years. Guess what? September 23rd last year. We shifted into early in the morning on the third day and the seventh day. Seventh day from Adam, third day from Jesus. We are in transition to the completion, the reconciliation, the coming forth. Hey, we're here. So there is a tremendous acceleration as we progress each moment and each day into this new season. And things are happening at an exponential accelerated rate. It's extraordinary. So that's just a little freebie in there. Now, I got to Genesis chapter 5 and it said, And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. I said, oh, that's good. Again, back to the Hebrew. You see, there's a connector word in Hebrew that we never find in our English Bibles. Matter of fact, no other... No other scripture. You have to be able to understand some Hebrew. And it's the connector word, et. It's the elif tav. In the Paleo-Hebrew, the elif tav is, the, the, the elif, or the a, was drawn out like an ox. So it spoke of strength, the number one leader, or the first strong leader. The tav was like a cross. It spoke of covenant. So, in the now listen. In Genesis 5, in this scripture, it's used twice, that Enoch walked with et, God. In other words, Enoch walked in intimacy with the first strong leader who came in the sign of the covenant, the word of God, or the God of the word. And he was not because et took him. Et, God took him. The word of God, or the God of the word, took him. See, even back here, even in Genesis, well, I, I'm not, I shouldn't be doing this. Do you understand that intimacy with God is the penultimate experience you'll ever have? You can have all the gifts, signs, and wonders you want, but you know what? They're limited to the earthly realm. You're called so much higher than this, but we focus on a spectacular occurrence in the natural world when before you is something so far beyond the natural realm that you you were born into as a child of God that you have access to, but we're so distracted with this. 
And there's nothing wrong with that, except for it's limiting. Because your focus is still on the earthly realm. But you have access. You know, growing up as a kid, I, I used to love uh, Wild Kingdom, and I used to love programs about all these different nations. And boy, It was in me from a child. I just oh, I wanted to travel all over the world. Now I'll stay home a little bit. That's what we've been doing nonstop. But you know what? And I wanted to see the seven wonders, and I wanted to see, I mean, all these wonderful things. Then I saw heaven. I'm not interested anymore. I mean, that was just gone. But yeah, there's beauty in this world, but it's a dark beauty. It's a perverted, corrupted creation now because of sin. Now, we can redeem that. That's always fun. Resma's good at this. She, she grows gardens and flowers, and people are astounded. How do you do that? Simple. She loves her flowers, and she prays. She redeems it. So, I've seen something that so far transcends anything in the natural realm that I'm just not impressed with anything in this world. I mean, you know, we have dear friends. We have dear friends that are extremely wealthy in the world. Billionaires, multi-billionaires. You know, as a kid growing up, I, I like all the kids. I like the cars, the hot rods. The, it's like, here we got Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Bentleys. You name any car. We've had friends that have had them, and I'm just, they say, you want, to, you want to drive it? Nah. Why? Because I've ridden in a chariot of fire. <laughs> Zero to the speed of light, and like that? Want to race? So now I can appreciate, do you understand? But I'm not impressed anymore. It doesn't captivate me. I'm captivated by something far superior. And it all comes to, and Bruce, and Reshma, and Tim. Listen, you put your name in there, walked with et God, the God of the Word and the Word of God. And we got so intimate with God. And this is, this is the, the picture the Lord gave me. He finally said, you know, Enoch, you're always in my house. Why don't you just stay? Okay, you'll get that later. Now, this is reiterated again in Hebrews 11.5. By faith. Now, I'm going to give you the translation of some of these words. By faith, Enoch was transported and changed sides. What was the purpose? That he would not see death. That's a lesser covenant. We have greater promises. Let me, let me just throw this at you. Prophetically, we're early in the morning on the seventh day and early in the morning on the third day. Jude 14 says that Enoch was the seventh from Adam. We're the seventh. You're an Enoch generation. He declares the end from the beginning. You know, one day the Lord, I'm jumping into other things because, you know, this school we teach is over a week long of eight hours a day. We have one young man here that was in the school. So I'm, I can only give you snippets. The Lord taught me how to take off the garment of flesh, 
and revealed the real me, which is being of light. Freaked me out the first time. I was like, whoa. And I thought, boy, I look pretty good. <laughs> then I looked at the garment I took off, and it was my flesh, and I went, oh. <laughs> no launderer on earth could fix that one. <laughs> and he began to teach me. And I practice every morning. I see myself take off the garment of flesh so that I can see the real me. Psalm 104, verse 1 and 2 says that God himself was clothed with light as with a garment. Put it on. Put it on. That's who you really are. And so... Something began to shift in all of this as I began to study this with Enoch and I recognized some things about who we really are and what we have access to because of who we are. I, I began to study the light. God told me to study light. I, I, you want to know who you are? Study who you are. Now, we're created in his image. He is creator light. And when he spoke, he said, Light me! Boom! There was a big bang explosion. They got that right. Where did it come from? Out of the mouth of God? He, he took me back to see that. That was extraordinary. Now, light moves at 186,300 miles per second. Right? Oh, that's what somebody told me that. The faster you go towards the speed of light, time slows down. If you took two astronauts, sent them out at two-thirds the speed of light, six months out and six months back, one year, they've aged one year, they've aged a couple thousand years on Earth because time slowed down for them. If you get to the speed of light, time stops. Yes. And you step into eternity. You're an eternal being right now. In Isaiah, I think it's chapter 40, it says that God, everything God created, all of space, all of time, everything He created fits in the span of His hand. All the universe, all of space, all of time. Guess what He says in Psalm 8? I give you dominion over all the works of my hand. Wrap your mind on that one. That's like, we're down here playing patty cake. You know, one time I was in paradise, the Lord brought me there, and God the Father was walking in front of me, and he was walking around enjoying his paradise and his people, and I'm, I'm like a little kid behind him going, what's in his hand, man? I couldn't see it. And he sa I could feel his, his smile, his joy. And I, he stopped, so I, and I looked, and there was everything he created, and it was ever-increasing and expanding, but it fit in his hand, and I was, wow. Then he walked up to me like this. He turned and he grabbed my hand. He put it in mine. He says, walk in it. And I knew what he meant. You have dominion. Walk in it. Whoa. I mean, I still feel that at times. I'm like, whoa. Every August in the Northern Hemisphere here, we have the meteor shower. I forget. I don't know what the name of it. But we like to go sit out and just watch that because I... I connect with God in nature like that. And I just, I love the stars because my daddy made that. And it's, I always, I wanted, I grew up, I wanted to be an astronaut. Didn't make that. I made astronaut though. 
So we're sitting out there, and all of a sudden, I get this nudge in my spirit. And it was regarding this, and I turned to Reshma, and I said, you're not going to believe this, but God's challenging me to practice faith. So we said, okay, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we command a shooting star. We waited 30 seconds, and a real bright one went, and we both went. That was a frightful thing, in a good sense. So we were out there another 20 minutes, and we're going to get ready to go in. I said, Lord, can I do it one more time? I'm in the mouth of two or three witnesses. I got an okay, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command another one right here, and instantly. Whoosh, and we went, okay. But see, he confirms his word. You have authority beyond anything you can comprehend. But, you know, we've got to grow up into a place of maturity and trust. Not our trust towards him. His trust to, in, to, to release to us that fullness. He doesn't want us to destroy you. And, I mean, it's like, <laughs> whoa. We've seen some amazing things. Miracles like, like that. But, I mean, extraordinary miracles. Because we're recognizing, we're coming to the time of recognizing through revelation, what actually belongs to us. Translation by faith belongs to you. And you do not have to taste death. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 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 Well, well, come on, bro. We're, I, I, it's right here in the Word. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. It says, By faith Enoch was transported and changed sides so that he might not see death. How did he do that? Intimacy with God. He didn't begin to walk with God until he was 65 years old. <coughs> and he still had access to Adam. Tilt. Nobody had died yet. But then something shifted in his life. What was it? He had a son named Methuselah. And God said, his death shall bring destruction and... De 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 the wiping out of all the world. Whoa, you better... He's got an end time message. He's, now he's getting his heart right because the end of all things is at hand. He didn't know he's going to live 900 years. But it doesn't matter. God's given you prophetic promises. What are you doing to position yourself for that today? Well, I'm going to wait around until it happens. See ya. Good thing... No, I didn't do that. So... Enoch walked with God and he walked with God for 300 years. Well, he would have to under a lesser covenant to get intimacy with God that we have instantly in the renewed covenant. So one day the Lord spoke to me and said, what is the number 300 in Hebrew? I went, Shin. A facet of the name of God. I went, oh my goodness. Do you know that when Cain and Abel walked the earth, they, they had back then too, and Cain slew Abel, and the Lord said, where's your, your brother? Well, I'm, what am I, my brother's keeper? And God got angry. Don't you try and lie to me. He said, I hear the voice of your brother's bloods, plural, crying out from the ground. What he was saying is not only your brother Abel, but every son, daughter, and generational son and daughter for eternity that would have come out of his loins, that blood speaks against you. That's why abortion is tragic. Because their blood speaks. It can be repented of. 
And the Lord said, now you're going to be a vagabond and wander the earth? And, the, you know, Cain starts complaining, this is too heavy for me, I can't bear it. But besides that, now everybody's going to want to kill me. The Lord said, I'm not going to allow anybody to kill you. I'll put a mark on you. This took some research. You know what the mark was? Swastika. He's marked with a swastika. That came not only through, through Cain, but also then down his line into Babylon, Nimrod. I mean, you look at ancient religion. You go to Buddhist temples, they're all over the place. That's where it started. And then the Lord said, now, notice what I said about Enoch. 300 years, he was marked with the name of God. You have a graphic picture of that in Scripture. So, do you know what? You have the seal of God on your life. What took him 300 years, you already have. Through the blood of Yeshua, Jesus. You're sealed. You have access. What took him 300 years? Well, he walked in it for 300 But what took him that long to finally get the revelation to say, I'm not going to taste this. I don't think I like that. You can do right now. <laughs> Deer in the headlights, wow. Look, I know this, this better be provoking you. This is, I'm giving you scripture though. Study it for yourself, but it's in the word. Then he said, he was not found because God had transported him. For before his transferal, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Oh, there's a qualification. Do you know scripture says without faith it's impossible to please God? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? When you yes. were born again, he gave you the measure of faith. You already please God. Come on. Well, that removed that onus. However, if you want to be well-pleasing to God, use that faith. That's it. Matter of fact, the faith he gave you is more than enough for anything you'll ever face in this life. He gave you the measure of faith. Every one of us got the same thing. You want to know what great faith is? We think it's, you know, 40 pounds and I only, need, I only got two ounces. No, great faith is persevering faith in the Aramaic, Greek. That's what great faith means. Persevering faith. You won't give up. Little faith is mean you don't persevere. You give up. But it's the same measure of faith. We all have the same measure of faith. Some of us will never give up. Some of us quit before we start. You need that for what you're about to be, have released upon your life. See, look, I'll teach on this more tomorrow. When I, when I was a young I, I, man, when I got saved, I had the fear of man. I, I was, <laughs> you couldn't have paid me everything Bill Gates has to stand in front of a crowd like this. Mm -mm. I'll do it for half now. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I was terrified. And you know what it was? It was a scheme that came down generationally in my family line, a rejection and betrayal and abandonment. So that was, I mean, huge in me. And I didn't want to stand up because I didn't want to look foolish. <laughs> Too late. And so I was terrified. But I, I, when I got saved, I knew I had a call of God and... My mother's German, so I use this as my... So I had enough German in me, I wouldn't give up. 
And so when I went to Bible college, this is what I did. Especially in, I, I took a failing grade in, you know, the preaching class. I am not standing up in front of the class and preaching. Forget it. I don't care if I fail that class. But I wouldn't, I had a friend working his way through Bible college. And he was, and he did that by being the security guard on campus all night long. And so I convinced him to allow me to get on to the campus chapel, which would seat 500 people. He said, I'll let you in, but don't ever turn the lights on. I'll get in trouble. I said, I won't turn the lights on. There was enough light coming from the outside. And so every night I'd go into the chapel and I'd have a service. I'd get up and set my Bible down. I said, okay. And I'd give announcements. I mean, this is what I was taught. I'm doing church. I'd sing a song. Blessed assurance, this seat is mine. Oh, yeah. And then... I would preach the gospel. I mean, I would just, in my fumbling, feeble way, I'd just start preaching. And I would practice this. I mean, I would do this every... And I would see in my mind's eye, in my imagination, people sitting there. About as quiet as you guys. No. <laughs> and, but, you know, one day, a friend of mine going to the school, he, said, he heard I was doing this. He said, well, can I come and do worship? I went, well, okay, we need worship. <laughs> he came with keyboardist. He, we would do worship, man. We had some good times. Then I'd preach. About six months into this, all of a sudden, my eyes were open, and the seats were filled with angels. Wow. And they know how to say amen. <laughs> I mean, God was encouraging me. And I just kept doing this because I was building within myself a destiny. I knew I had a destiny. And I, so I, I had to do something by faith. And I kept doing it. And when I finished that, I went back home to Seattle. And you know, my dad was still busy in full gospel businessman. He says, you want to get up tonight and give the announcements? And I went, uh, okay. I never said no. I was terrified, but I would not say no. Because I'm not going to give in to this thing. I knew I did good. My knees were applauding all the time. <laughs> I just wasn't going to quit. That's good. And then he said, now give five minutes. Now give ten minutes. My dad, very subtle. He said, okay, now you, you come and give a message. And I went, what? But God was faithful. And then one day I met a man, one of my best friends in the world, Pastor Bruce Gunkel from San Antonio, Texas. He said, hey, let's talk. And he, he said, tell me about your life. And I'm going, what are you talking about? He said, no. And he, he pulled it out of me, and he showed me how the scheme in my life was rejection, betrayal, and abandonment. He said, we sat for five hours, he and his wife and I, and they went through this whole thing and showed me scriptures. They prayed for me, and it was gone. No more fear of man. That's why I can act like the person I am now. <laughs> Look, because I, you know what? I learned something. I have an audience of one. The rest of you, yeah. But you, you have an audience of one. So it changed everything. He set me free to be who he called me to be. Not to preach, but to be myself. 
By the way, I don't even preach. I teach. I've had a preaching anointing come a few times, and I'm like, whoa, that's wild, man. I wonder why those guys like that. So it was all a process. What I'm sharing with you tonight, and if you, don't, if you give up, if you stop practicing, you'll get nowhere. Because you don't persevere. Well, you know, I tried that once. didn't work. Good. Good. Try 40 years. I asked the Lord, Lord, why are you giving this to me? He said, you're a forerunner. I'm calling you to learn how to do this by faith because you're going to teach my people at the end of the age how to access what is theirs and walk in this because the hour is coming when the only way they're going to be able to get around planet Earth and fulfill their destiny is supernaturally. I said, well, I don't mind part of that. I don't like being forerunner. That's a lot of hard work. But you know what? God is faithful. He took me through the school of the Spirit. I mean, he's built line upon line upon line. 18 years so far. And he, I mean, he's been giving revelation and release. We've had, I don't know how many schools now. 95 to 100% of every, everybody has an encounter and, and a translation experience. I mean, somebody, I'm sitting there going, what about me? I, no, you know what? I don't care. Because my ceiling is their floor. My ceiling is your floor. What took me years to learn and understand and receive from the Spirit so I have a scriptural foundation, I freely give it and I start there. Don't start way back there where I did with like, what's translation? I'm giving you the whole meal deal. At no extra cost. <laughs> As was stated earlier, Colossians 1.13 says, He has already delivered us from the power of the, dark, the kingdom of darkness and conveyed us or transferred us or translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. You've already had a translation experience. Part of the, the equation, I asked this the other can a man be in two places at one time? Yes, you're, you're seated together with him right now. You're already there. Let me give you a tool because they like to know the how-tos. Simple. How many of you ever pray? Not very many. <laughs> yes, we do. So, the next time you go to pray, when you close your eyes, see yourself coming up to the throne where Jesus is and sit down with him. You're seated together with him. You begin to develop that in your sanctified imagination and see yourself seated with him. And then as you begin to develop, and I'll explain about this in detail tomorrow, because most of you are going, oh, well, well that's new age. No, no. no it's, it's old text. I'll just give you one. We, they sang it tonight. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Right? Yeah. Wrong. The word mind is dianoia, which means imagination. You don't love God with all of your imagination. How do I love God with my imagination? You ever read a book, a novel? Repent. So when you read a book, you're, you're imagining it, right? You're seeing it all the time. 
When you read the Bible, you, you, you frame pictures. You imagine it. How do you love God with your imagination? You constantly frame pictures of Him and see Him. When you pray, you should see Jesus. Well, what does He look like? Well, you tell me. I had one person in Asia say, well, is he Chinese? I said, absolutely. You're the body of Christ. What well, does he have? They asked me, well, what color was his eyes when you saw him? I said, it's irrelevant. What color is his eyes when you see him? Because it all speaks. If he can come in here unawares, disguised, don't put it in concrete. This is what he looks like. I mean, he looks like a lion. Oh, he looks like a lamb. No, he's got a sword coming out of his mouth. No, he's got white hair. No, he's got brown hair. Get over that stuff. It all speaks. Visions speak. It's the language of God. One third of your Bible came through men and women of God that had dreams or visions, and it's called the voice of God. And the church says, God doesn't speak that way. You've got to read the Bible. That's the only way he speaks. Well, pluck out your spiritual eyes and pluck out your spiritual ears. <laughs> Have fun trying to do that. God speaks any way He wants. Yeah. Not according to religious protocol. Yeah. Amen. So you frame that picture. When you pray, see yourself seated with Him. You've heard teaching about ministering from our heavenly seat. The best way to do it is to see it. You start practicing that, it will revolutionize your prayer life. It will change your whole life. Okay. So I kept studying. I kept digging, and I, I, I was hung up. I was hung up. I was stuck on Enoch for quite a while, and I, I never really. I, I briefly heard some of. People talk about a book of Enoch somewhere, and I just never paid attention. Because, you know, that's not in the canon. Balarney. 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 It's still in the Coptic Bible. It's still in a few other books. Listen, it was once in the canon of Scripture, and it was taken out because it's too mystical. You know what? Jude almost didn't make the canon of Scripture. Same with Peter, because they quoted Enoch. No, 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 don't put that in there. You know, it's, it's the glory of a king to conceal the matter. God puts these little snippets in there to, to provoke you to dig. Well, that's extra-biblical literature. So is my book. So is his book. You, you know, God says he builds line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Let me tell you something. I need the revelation that God's given you. Just like you need the revelation God's given me. Because I only know in part. And you only know in part. So let's put the two together and we've got a little bit bigger picture. And let's keep going. And let's keep going. And let's keep going. Instead of vying or contending with one another and saying, my revelation's far superior. Well, you just proved you're a fool. We're the body of Christ. There's nobody superior. You might be more practiced. You might be more sensitive through exercising of your... But you're no better. I'll give you an example. When we were pastoring years ago, in the early 90s, 
we had a woman in the church that loved to worship. You ever hear fingernails on a chalkboard? And you're going, ah. She came up to me one day and said, can I sing a solo? And I'm going, oh, God. What do I say? Maybe so low nobody can hear you? You know, I was, I was like, oh, man. And the Lord said, let her sing. And I went, really? He said, let her sing. I said, okay, next week. So next week came, and I told the people we're going to have a special number today. This person's been preparing for a week. And I introduced her, and they all went, oh. Because she'd thrown everybody off key, off pitch, out of the door, you know. Lovely lady, couldn't sing. So they're looking at me like, have you flipped a switch or something? What's the matter with you? They queued up the soundtrack, and they're all waiting like, okay. She hit it. (laughs) And the presence of God came in. Because it came from her heart. (laughs) And we're all going, what? And the Lord rebuked us all. I don't care what your voice sounds like. I care what your heart sounds like. Needless to say, they wanted her to sing all the time after that. Because she brought the presence of God. It was fun. I don't know why I told you that. We all need one another. That's why I told you that. So, as I studied scripture and I was going through this, I'd been studying about almost a year by this time, and I read the books of Enoch three or four times, and, you know, I was blown away, because Enoch's written to the end time generation. His, anyway, the generation that won't taste death because we're going to make a decision by yeah. faith, I'm leaving. So, I finally said, um, we were doing a conference in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And uh, talking with the pastor there, you know, just before the meeting. And he says, so what's God been talking to you about this last year? I said, oh, well, you know, translation by faith. And he went, what's that? I told him a little bit, he went, oh, that's interesting. Kind of like, you're out of your mind. He said, you're going to teach that tonight? I said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know anything yet. I got, I'm still on this journey. He said, well, whatever, okay. So he got up, and before the worship that night, he says, he's making some quick announcements. He said, by the way, Bruce is going to teach on translation by faith tonight. And I went... I'm going to kill you and tell God you died. (laughs) No. I'm not doing that. Worship's going on. I'm like, God, help me, help me, help me. I was gone. He took me above the earth. This is New Year's conference. I'd never had that before. I'm flying with Noah. Wow, this is way cool. Clear as anything I've ever seen. And I'm standing above Eastern Europe, and I can tell, you know, in the spirit, communication is instant. We call it, in the natural realm, a word of knowledge. In the spirit realm, we call that normal communication. 
You don't have to. I mean, anyway. I'm looking down. There's one cumulus cloud, and it's somehow I can tell the outline of the countries. And I said, Lord, is and the lights of the cities, you know. Have you ever seen the shots from space? That's exactly what it looked like. I was way up there. I said, Lord, is that Lithuania or Latvia? He said, Latvia. When he said that, I started descending. <laughs> Just slowly, I went right through that cumulus, got all wet. Came down into a, I don't know what city. Here's the top of a building. I thought, okay, I'm going to land there. <laughs> no, I went right through the top of the building. I saw it as I went through it. Stopped on the second floor in front of a door number 212. And I went, okay. I heard a child weeping. I mean, gut-wrenching weeping. And now I, I, I'm not even, I'm moved with compassion. I checked the door. It was open. I opened the door, walked in. Small little apartment. Really small. Little kitchenette, little bathroom. Extra room. That's where the crying was come from. I walked into that room. Here's a little girl. I knew instantly her name was Natalia, eight years old, weeping and praying and crying out to God. So I knelt down next to her and I said, honey, what's the matter? She said, daddy and mommy are out looking for food. We haven't eaten in a week. They can't find a job and we're going to be evicted tomorrow. And she's weeping and crying. I, I prayed with her and comforted her and I'm back in the church teaching. And they took a picture of that. Do you still have that picture? Now, I, you know, it didn't occur to me. Well, here's the, the brother taking the pictures. I had told him before, I'd come and take pictures. I, we're going to catch something supernatural. That was my perceiver. I didn't know what it was. So I thought, you know, maybe angels or feather, whatever. He never even said anything. And June comes along. I said, wait a minute. He was taking pictures. I called him and said, you never showed me any pictures. Why? He goes, well, because uh, I took a picture and, and I tested all the cameras. The memory card was fine. We can't understand this, but you're transparent. God confirms his word. That banner up there says it's time. That was crazy. I went, no, again, I didn't connect. So, I'm, I, I don't even remember what I was teaching. <laughs> but the next night, this went on for f four nights, I think, this time. Anyway, I have to look at my notes. But the next night, I'm up there teaching again, not on translation. I'm in my own business. When I looked up and went, no, 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 no. <laughs> See, you got to understand, in the year 2000, 2001, I mean, straight jackets were still in fad. And if you start talking this stuff, <laughs> take them to the loony bin. They would have, I mean, so you, you don't, listen, just because you have an experience or see something in the spirit doesn't mean you've instantly broadcast. You go to the Word and discover what God says first. It, it's got to be in Scripture. So I didn't say anything. I'm just kind of, oh, no, 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 no. I saw a chariot of fire. I said, 
And the Lord said, tell him what you see. I said, no, God. I'm not saying no, no, Lord. No. He said, tell him what you see. I said, Lord, if I start telling them what I'm seeing, they will never have me back in this church. He said, if you don't tell them what you're seeing, I will see to it you're never back in this church. So I turned to the pastors, because we had talked about being out of the box. And I turned to the pastors and said, out of the box? They said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I said, well, I see a chariot of fire and all that. And the people were sitting there going, like, huh? And I went, good. Finished the meeting, came back the next day. That next night, minding my own business again, that chariot came right in front of me and landed. And I went, no. He said, tell him. I said, Lord, please, no. (laughs) Same conversation. I said, out of the box? Yeah, out of the box. I said, okay, I see a chariot of fire just landed here, and the people are going, hmm. Okay. The Lord said, no, 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 you're not done. He said, tell the ushers to put two chairs there. I said, oh, no. Out of the, yeah, out of the box. I said, okay, this is what God says. Now what, Lord? Have the pastor sit down. Well, ministry's over. He said he walked down there after I told him that, going, what is this crazy guy doing? They sat down. I said, okay, what now, Lord? He said, pray a prayer of release and activation. So I did, and they were gone for an hour. And we're all standing there going, uh, well, okay. Uh. <laughs> One hour later, the Lord said, okay. Uh, uh, let me define it. Gone in the spirit. I mean, you could tell they were just gone. He said, okay, give him the microphone. But I, he couldn't talk. They were weeping. They had such a drastic experience, they couldn't even explain. Next couple of nights, they were able to. Pastor John was taken out into the stars and God began to talk to him about issues in his life and things. Ruth. Ruth was taken back in time. And she stood above where Philip was baptizing an Ethiopian eunuch. And she saw him translate. She saw how it worked. So after that, I said, okay, Lord, that was good. Now what do you want me to do? He said, have this other couple sit there. And by then I'm like, okay. They sat down. As soon as they sat down, they said later, they heard 10, 9, 8, 7. On zero, they were instantly in paradise. Met Nate Saint, Nate Saint, the martyr from Ecuador. Some other people met for over an hour. And they, they came back. They were able to share that. I went... Can I sit there, Lord? He said, no. Okay. So I just, you know, the meeting closed because we had been there four and a half, five hours by then. The next day I walked in. There's the chariot still there. This is, let me explain something. They'd all witnessed this. They'd seen the testimony, heard the testimony, seen... I would have camped there. I'd have grabbed on and said, get out of here, it's mine. Nobody got near it. I'm like, I was confused. 
I mean, if you know Jesus was going to walk in tonight and stand right here, excuse me, well, yeah, that's nice. I don't know. Where? So they, and I'm going, what? Nobody, I was dumbfounded. Pastor asked me that night, he said, look, I don't think we're finished. It, it ended on a Wednesday. Can you come back Saturday and Sunday? I said, okay. Because I asked the Lord again, he said, no. So we came back Saturday, the intercessors prayed, we did all that. When I walked up, still nobody there. Worship's going on, I didn't ask. I just went, gone. Amazing. Listen, you know, what do you, what do you think of when you think of a chariot and a horse? Bridle and harness, you know, something to hold you on to so you don't... When I stepped in, the bridle and harness disappeared. See, God met me where I was, and then he brought, in me, in, brought me into where he was. The, the harness disappeared. The being that looked like a white, magnificent creature, horse, turned to me and heart to heart spoke and said, that's not necessary here. And immediately I knew the bond was love. You don't control anything. In the, and I went, whoa. The chariot was alive. The gemstones all spoke and sang. And the, the whole thing was living. Took me out into the stars and it stopped. He said, go ahead and look around. I went. All of creation was worshiping God. The symphony of worship in the heavens is beyond comprehension. It was overload. And I'm just going, wow. The frequencies. I know this is stretching some of you. Good. I want to provoke you. Let's break out of some boxes. Go back to the word. By the way, Elijah has one with his name on it. You're an Elijah generation. The spirit and the power of Elijah are going to be present and active in God's people at the end of the age. And the things Elijah did, you can do. Okay, you'll figure that out later. You have two witnesses. God always has at least two witnesses. Enoch and Elijah. Both went to heaven without tasting death. That's this generation. Okay. I'm having, I'm having fun with you. I know this is kind of tilt. That's okay. So I'm standing out there going, wow, this is, wow. Amazing. He said, get back in. This being said, get back in. I stepped back in, went into paradise. I want to tell you. Like I said, I've been in a limousine from heaven, a chariot of fire. You can have all the hot rods on the earth. Not impressed. That changed, that, I mean, that was a shift. So now I come back, I'm studying, I'm having fun. I, of course, the only chariot I'd ever known was in the book of First Kings, or Second Kings. So I jumped into it and I studied Elijah's life. First Kings 18, verse 7, it says, As Obadiah was in the way, I said, wow, he's, he's from the church I was at. He's in the way. You didn't get that. The people of the way. He's in the way. Get out of the way! Behold, Elijah met him. This is funny to me. And he knew him, fell on his face and said, Are you Elijah? 
you know him? Okay. He said, I am. Go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, what, have I sinned? What did I do to you? Everybody that ever says, hey, here's where Elijah is, and they run to find him, and he's not there. I've hidden prophets. I'm on your side. Verse 12. How do I know that the moment I leave, the Spirit of God won't carry you away to where I don't know you're at? Elijah was a frequent flyer. Enoch was a frequent flyer. Adam and Eve were... Free. By the way, when God created Adam and Eve, they had access to all that God was and all God could do. Do you think time and distance had any hindrance on God? Well, they fell into sin. Yeah, but the second Adam brought you back into the first estate. Only even more so because now you're redeemed to a greater place than you were before. And time and distance have no hold on you. Time, distance... Listen. Why do you think Joshua got a revelation and said, Son, stand still. Got authority. That was witness to what we have now. God's going to redeem the time. He's going to shorten the time for the elect's sake. How do you think he's going to do it? Now, we can go to the science, and science is saying a 24-hour day is no longer 24 hours. They've actually measured it as about 17-something. But you know what? You could say, time, stop. Let me finish what I'm doing. Okay, you can start again. People are already doing this. See, you, we, we constrain ourselves to the dimension of time when actually we're eternal beings that operate outside of time. We're so distracted by the natural realm, we limit ourselves to the natural realm when in reality we're of a superior race of human beings. We'll get more into that. So Elijah was a frequent flyer. And he, he, the chariot of fire. Elijah had a translocation experience. A chariot took him home. Enoch made a decision and said, I'm going to be transferred. We don't know what, what, in what way that happened, but he was taken home. Then there's Ezekiel. I love Ezekiel because Ezekiel speaks to a lot of people today, especially those in the New Age, because they call it astral projecting. <gasps> don't do that, that's new age. No, that's old age. No, God came and took him by a lock of his head, pulled him out the top of his head, and took him into visions and, and encounters. And even when he was in that, God took him in, in Ezekiel 11 into the very temple of God where he saw the corruption that was taking place. He prophesied and the one that was committing it fell dead. Don't tell me this isn't real. People get hung up on the funniest things. Well, if God catches me away in the Spirit, can people see me? Well, can you see angels? Don't angels appear as people sometimes? I gave you that. That unawares, you don't even know. You can touch them, you can hear them, you can communicate with them. Yes, they're spirit beings, but they can transcend the natural because they have a higher level of frequency and they can make it so that it's solid to us. Do you know that chair? Everything in this room that we think is solid, 
at a subatomic level is not. It's moving like this and there's gaps between it. It's just frequency. So if you have walk in this dimension of authority, you have authority over the frequencies. That's how Jesus could walk through a crowd, how Jesus could walk through a wall after the resurrection. He came into agreement with that frequency and went, see ya. That's all it is. This is so good. Thank you, Father. Do you know the frequency of revelation has a texture, has a color, has a sound, has a taste? What's the frequency of revelation? The glory. The atmosphere of heaven is the frequency of revelation, it's the glory. Okay. So then we come into Acts chapter 8, Philip. Philip was a frequent flyer. No. I call it Philip Airlines, physically. See, both of them are spiritual or physical. Here's where, here's where I got hung up for a couple of years. Because to me, okay, it's got to be physical. I was still hung up on the physical aspect of this. But God, when the Lord started showing me I'm actually a being of light, my citizenship is not even on this earth. I'm here as a sojourner. I'm here as an ambassador. I have an assignment. By the way, ambassadors get to go home on furlough. That's what God taught me. So I go. So guess what? If I'm just an ambassador here and I have a different country, a different citizenship, I have the right and the opportunity to, to, to access that. But Philip... His journey, I don't want to take all the time on this. You can read a lot of this in the book. Philip was one of the New Testament firsts. There's actually others, but I'll leave it at that. Then we have John chapter 6. Jesus and mass transit. You, whole groups can go. See, Jesus, verse six sixteen. When evening came, at the end of the age, metaphor. I don't have time to make this... To flesh this out for you. The metaphor at the end of the... When evening falls, is, darkness falls, is the end of the age. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. The sea speaks of the nations. They got into a boat that speaks of ministry. Mode of Transportation speaks of ministry. And they went over the sea towards Capernaum. It was already dark, the end of the age. So they're in ministry at the end of the age. And Jesus hadn't come to them. How can you have ministry without Jesus? Well, we always do it this way. Row, row, row your boat. This is how we've always done it in my church. Dead works. Come on. Come on. It's not going to work in this hour. Church as usual is over. Not only that, it says in verse 18, the sea arose... Because a great wind was blowing. There's upheaval at the end of the age. All sorts of things happening. You know, there was just a 6.9 earthquake on the, the island of Hawaii. Yeah. They're evacuating the whole island. Yeah. That's normal stuff. It's going to get more and more. But church, you have authority over that. That's right. Peace be still. Do you know, I'm going to throw this out quickly. The first time Jesus is in the boat going to the other side with his disciples, he's asleep in the back of the boat, 
and the wind and the waves began to rage, in the Greek it says, seismos. They thought they were going to be swamped by a small tsunami because of seismic activity. He stood up and said, peace be still. And it stopped. By the way, what he did, only a few of you can do. No! You have authority. Peace be still. Okay. So when they had rode about three or four miles doing ministry, they saw Jesus walking on the sea across the nations. What's he doing today? He's visiting millions of people throughout the nations, sovereignly, and appearing to them and saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. This is a now word from God. And they're terrified because this is the only ministry we know. We never heard of such a thing. That can't be God, it's the devil. <laughs> Don't give the devil credit. <coughs> so it's outside of their paradigm, outside of their box or their experience. But one word from Jesus, he said, it's me. Oh, thank God. You know what? We want this miracle working God. They called him and invited him into the ministry, the boat. The moment he stepped in, instantly they were at shore. That's a picture of the quick work he's going to do at the end of the age. And it only comes through inviting a supernatural God into what you're called to do and resting in that relationship and following him, not doing the stuff. And it's translation. God, listen, the Lord challenged me one day. He said, you know, this day is coming, not with media, not with electronics, where you're going to be standing in seven different places at once preaching. Seven different messages. You'll see yourself. You'll know. I went, cool. I didn't go, that's not possible. I said, I'm in. That's already happened to David Hogan, four places. He wasn't supposed to beat me. Oh, these things are happening. I just say, okay, God, sign me up. Then you have Peter, a couple times in the book of Acts, you know, he's locked in prison. He finds himself out, or an angel leads him out. It's all throughout Scripture. This is normal. No, it's not, but it's going to be. We minister in Philippines quite a bit. We go there twice a year for the last five years. And One time we went there and they said, we've got a group of people that want to meet you. Okay, why? The whole church is having translation experiences. But they, but they don't understand it. They just haven't, they're just doing it. I said, okay. We sat down. In 2010, Brother Sadhu Sundar Salvaraj, Sadhuji, was there holding the first pastor's conference. He prophesied this, and he said, the Lord's telling me that if you will take a 10-day fast, do a 10-day fast, you'll be released into the new thing God wants to do. So this whole church, children, adults, you know, when they fast over there, it's not just the adults, the kids, everybody. And they're trained that way, so they do it. They look forward to it. So they all fasted for 10 days. Now they're videotaping. And all of a sudden, on the 10th day, with eyes closed, they all go into a trance. And they're all experiencing visions of heaven. And they're walking around among each other with their eyes closed. They don't even... I mean, we're watching this and listening to this. And I went, I found my tribe. 
So they wanted me to teach the foundational truth from Scripture to the experience they were having. Because they didn't share it with anybody. They were just doing it. So when I, they married the word with the experience, they were overjoyed. This is happening all over the Philippines. It's happening all over Africa. It's happening all over the world where God is sovereignly and supernaturally breaking in on a people that are passionate for Him and He's releasing the powers of the age to come. They don't have the theological degrees. That's why they don't have a problem. They step into it. The ones that struggle are the ones that have been inculcated, indoctrinated into an intellectual pursuit of God. You have to learn to tear that down. I don't mean be stupid and take anything that comes along. I mean get rid of man's understanding, get back to the revelation of the Word. I love hanging out with those kids. It's amazing. That's where the real deal is. Paul was caught up into the third heaven, whether in the spirit or the other spirit, in the body. He said, I saw things it's not lawful to speak. I hate that translation. That's not accurate. What it literally means is I saw things that there's no human language that can convey the mystery and the experience that I had. There's no words. Because in heaven it's instant. That's why you can have one. Listen, and I want to say this too as a warning. There are so many people claiming to have experience with God. Oh, I, I see God all the time face to face. Really? Where's the fruit of that? You can tell me all you want, but if I don't see the character of Christ through an impacting... You're a liar. Or you're visit, being visited by a liar. You cannot come into the presence of God and not be changed. So there's a lot of false, fake out there. You've got to learn to discern. Reshma will talk about that tomorrow. Her mother came to Christ through a prayer and seeing a beautiful, a beautiful being on a white horse, Jesus. And peace and rest came over. Listen, I'll let her do that tomorrow. It changed everything in their life. One moment in the presence of the living God is worth a thousand years of study. That's what we need. We need transformation which leads to a great awakening. The day of revivals is over. You know what revival you, you know what revival is? Something that was once alive is now dead has to be revived. That's an indictment against the church. I mean, every summer we're going to have revival meetings. Dear God, you die that often? Seriously? Who are you following after? Because my Bible says in Him I have life. No, it's time for a great awakening. Because revivals haven't shaped culture. They've been a religious practice. Awakenings shape culture. I heard a statistic here that shocked me. Because, you know, with what happens at Bethel and all that good stuff that goes on, you have more crime and more drug addicts and more homeless in these streets. And I'm like, well, that's not revival. Well, that might be revival. That's not an awakening. That's not what's coming because when the awakening comes, all of that's gone. They get saved. The bars close down. Prostitution, drugs are gone. And it becomes a place of holiness. That's what we need. 
That's what's about to be released. Some keys to walking in this. Jeremiah 6.16 Thus says the Lord, I'm going to give you the King James. Stand in the ways. Ways, not ways. Stand in the ways. And seek and ask for the old paths where is the good way. And walk therein and you'll find rest for your souls. But they said, we're not going to walk therein. Well, I'm a word person. I study. Let me give you a transliteration of that from the word studies into Hebrew. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the road less traveled and discern. Few there be that find it. Because it's narrow. You've got to stand, having done all stand. That means cease from your own works. Row, row, row your boat. And discern. Here's what it looks like in shoe leather. Get up in the morning and say, Okay, Father, what are we doing today? I'm ready. Then he says this. Earnestly desire. There's that passion. The properly concealed vanishing point, which is eternal and perpetual. Ask where this road less traveled is and journey and vanish into it. And you'll find rest for your soul. And they said, yes, Lord. It's not rocket science. It's supernatural life. This is what my Jesus does. And he said, I can do what he does, so I'm in. Matter of fact, I wasn't going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. I've been in that chariot a number of times with this being that looks like a horse far more intelligent than human beings, by the way, and his name is not Mr. Ed. <laughs> he came up to me tonight, nudged me, and I, I was hugging him. I said, oh, it's been a while. He said, yeah. He said, everything's changing now. And then he stepped back, and Jesus, that's when Jesus came. Do you know I've seen billions of chariots of fire landing all over the earth? I said, Lord, what's that? He said, Every redeemed saint is going home in a chariot of fire. At the end of the hour, I went, oh, cool. Y'all got your own hot rod. Want to race? This is what the Lord says. Stand at the road less traveled and discern. Earnestly desire the properly concealed vanishing point, which is eternal, outside of time. And perpetual. Ask where this road less travel is and journey and vanish in it. And you'll find rest for your souls. It comes from a place of rest, not striving rest. This is mine. Thank you, God. You know, we have a good friend that teaches with us in our schools named Michael Van Blyman. Michael was a... He's passionate for God. He's a pursuer of God. I, I mean, he puts the rest of us to shame. He would work 60, 70 hours a week and he'd stay up all night praying I mean, for days on end, just seeking God. And he, he was so hungry for God, he and his wife, and they were always looking. He said, all these people, all they would ever say is press in, press in, and we're, we're going crazy. What does that mean? Yeah. Now, I'm telling a story on myself because this is what he says, and I don't take credit for this. This is how God wired me. He said, I saw you on Sid Roth. 
I thought, that's interesting. And at the end, you gave one instruction. Focus and intent. He said, well, that's easy. I can do that. He went into his prayer chair. He said, okay, God, I'm going to practice. And he sat down. 45 minutes, he's struggling. All of a sudden, something happened. He, and he jumped up. It terrified him. I laughed later. I said, yeah, my first one was 45 minutes too. There's something about that. He tried it again. Nothing happened. He tried it, you know. And finally, he, a couple of days later, he's, before he goes to bed, he said, God, I, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I missed you, and I, I don't want to offend you. And he went to bed. When he laid down, he was gone. <laughs> and from that day on, this is normal for him. He would do this. He'd sit down in his prayer chair, wherever you pray. He said, okay, God, I'm going to practice. You can practice this? Yeah. He closes his eyes, says, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to Guatemala. I'm going to go and minister in Guatemala. So he sees himself going to a village. He sees himself putting off, well, whatever he does, and, you know, calling a group and ministering to him and people getting saved and that. And then, well, that's his imagination. Yeah, I know. And, he, and then he stops and says, okay, God, I know that's practice. You know that's practice. I just want you to know I'm willing. I'm pressing into this. I'm going to do. After a month, all of a sudden, he was going. Being witnessed in those places. Testimonies coming back. Thank you for coming. I'm telling you. <laughs> This is the hour of the visitation of God's power. And this is yours. Rushman, I so love this. You know, I'll give you another testimony. When I got, I don't know how far into this study and this, I, I said to the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, I, and I hadn't even equated yet to this picture, you know, the first night being a translation because I, I hadn't studied that. I didn't know. So one day I'm with my friend John in downtown Seattle on the water. And I, we're driving to Spokane, which is, can be about six and a half hours from the water. But, you know, roughly, if there's good traffic, you can go real fast and do it quicker through the mountain pass. But he had an old 1970 Dodge clunker. I don't know what it was. <laughs> held together with bailing wire, chewing gum, and a prayer. And it barely did... I mean, 70, you thought it was going to fall apart around you. And so, just before we started, the only thing he did in that car was put a CD player in. Other than that, and he was a roofer, and so you can imagine. Move that stuff off, sit down, and buy a new pair of jeans tomorrow. <laughs> and I said, I think it's the, he knew what I was, the Lord was doing. I said, let's pray. I put my hands on the dashboard and said, Lord... I'm ready for my first lesson. Translate us to Spokane. Okay. So we got it. We put the CD in. Played one song. This is the air I breathe. <laughs> we just worship God. You know, I've driven that so many times. Over the mountain pass, through the Cascades, into Ellensburg, back into, I mean, Mo Moses Lake, down into. The, but we stopped in Ellensburg, filled up with gas, sat down and ate, 45 minutes to an hour. Got back on the road, just worshiping God, not going, it's not working. It's, no, we're just worshiping God. When we got to Spokane, to our destination, we looked at our watch. We did it in less than 90 minutes. We both went, what? I said, God, what was that? That's not even funny. I'm asking for a translation, and you, what was that? 
He said, you always thought, were taught in school that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. He said, well, unless you're God. And he bent time. He said, actually, the, slow, the, 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 the closest distance is already being there. I'm going... What? And then I went, oh, great. Now I've got to study physics. That's exactly what it was. He's the God of time and space. What that is in physics, and I'll, I'll maybe touch on some of this tomorrow, was a wormhole. He bent time. He can redeem the time. I went, not fair. I'm expecting something else. And, oh, boy. But he said you wanted to learn. Okay. The next practice I had, I was in my office. We were married by then, a couple, well, quite a while. And I said, Lord, I'm ready for my next lesson. And I'm walking in. All of a sudden, I'm gone. I'm, in, I'm standing. No, no, I was in space. I'm standing up there in the stars. And I'm going, wow, cool. You know, I told you, I always wanted to, growing up, I wanted to be a fighter pilot astronaut. I did. At age 12, I knew all the instrument flight rules, all the visual flight rules, every aircraft that had ever been created, their performance stats. I knew all the components of the Apollo spacecraft. I mean, I, God, I was passionate. And then they said, you can't, you're colorblind. Well, now here I'm standing in the stars. Yeah. The first thought that goes through my mind is, oh, God, send the shuttle by and I can go, eh. <laughs> Tag it saying Bruce was here. <laughs> That's just the way I am. And then I look around and there's no earth. And I went, oh. Ha! Went further than you guys did. And I'm standing there, again, enjoying the symphony of heaven. You know, people say, was that your imagination? No, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell you. It's, it's irrelevant because the real me is a spirit. So I'm standing there just enjoying everything. The clarity, the, the, I mean, the brilliance of the colors. Every star has a different color, different frequency, different sound. The symphony is incredible. And I look over this way and way off. I, you, you know, you, you, your eyesight when you're in that place can be a billion miles. It can be a microscopic. Yeah, there's no limit. I'm looking and there, here's a door, a door on this sideways. And I saw a door open. It was a door of light. I went, oh, that's cool. He said, go ahead. I didn't know, I just, you do something by faith. I went, okay. Boom, I stepped through a door. Instantly, I knew where I was. I was in a small office building in an office in Sydney, Australia. It was empty. It was early in the morning, about 6 in the morning. It was summertime. It was on a Saturday, so there's no travel. Black marble facade building with tinted windows. Gray marble facade with tinted windows. A street here and a street there. And I'm excited. I went, I have always wanted to come to Australia. I started heading for the door. He said, no, that was your lesson. Go back. I looked, and there's only one door. It's into the bathroom. I stepped through the door, and I was back into our office. We've been to the Sydney now, I don't know how many times. And I've always looked for that. And it was a year and a half ago because of road blockages and and work on the, the highways there, they had to take us a different direction from the airport. And I'm looking, and there it was, the place God had taken me. I went, wow, there it is, because I've been looking. This is real. God 
is good. This is yours. I gave you a tool. See? Remember the imagination. Do you love the... Sanctified imagination is so powerful. God's creative, right? I'll tell you about this experience. One day I'm teaching and all of a sudden time just went... Stopped. Just stopped. And then you know the VHS, you rewind. Everything's rolling up like a scroll. And I'm going... And I'm still standing there going, whoa. And I saw it all go right into the mouth of God. It dropped down into his heart and then went right up into his imagination. <laughs> then I saw the forming of the imagination and how he was going to create everything. It dropped into his heart and out of the abundance of the heart he spoke. Oh. Light be. And what was amazing, Jesus came out. He's the Word. Yeah. And he, he, he created everything. Yes. And then it went right up to the moment we were standing in, and I went, oh, I got vertigo. I went, man. That's, he said, that power is in you. If you could see it. And you meditate on it. And it drops into your spirit. And from that place, you speak it. You just release something creative. That's why you make a covenant, Job did this, with his spiritual eyes, not his physical ones, not even to look at a young woman, to lust after her. No, I'm not going to go there. Because Jesus calls this reality. If a man looks at a woman and lusts after her, he's already committed adultery in his heart. You get judged for that stuff. Make a covenant with your spiritual eyes. I'm not going to... Hey, look, we're inundated in, in, in the natural realm with all sorts of stimuli. <laughs> That's not what causes you to stumble. What causes you to stumble is when you keep looking at it. Then it begins to form in you, and it becomes an obsession, and then it has a possession. It possesses you, and it drops into your spirit, and then it comes forth and becomes your reality. So you make a covenant. No, I'm casting that down. I'm not looking at that. I refuse. And you sanctify the imagination. You sanctify the intellect, and you love God with all your strength and all your imagination. So when I talk to God, I always... Now, it's easier for me now because I've seen Him so many times. I have, you, look, if you've been there once, you have access every other time. And you've been there once when Jesus died and rose, you've already been there. Oh, no, I take that back. You were there before the foundation of the world. You've already been there. You have access. You have access. It's so simple. Children get this. Those that have been... Inundated with an intellectual understanding of, we have to wade through it. This is your inheritance. And in the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word Yetzer. Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, study the word, meditate in it day and night, then your prospering shall appear. It's the word, imagine. The word meditate is Yetzer, imagine. Imagine the word of God day and night, and then your way will be made prosperous, and you'll have great success. The power of a sanctified imagination is beyond comprehension. The power of a sanctified imagination, me preaching in a school to empty seats, but envisioning my destiny, released my destiny. So how do you practice this? When you pray, see Jesus. 
brother by the name of Walter Butler in the 60s had an encounter with God. Now, he was a Bible college teacher. He was a pastor and a missionary. He traveled. Very busy man. And Jesus spoke to his heart one day and said, Walter, would you just spend time with me as a friend? I don't have anybody who wants to be my friend. They're always coming with gimme, gimme, gimme. And he, I mean, his heart was moved. He said, oh, yes, Lord, I'll do that. But you know what? He had no time. But he's not going to break God's heart and make a commitment and a vow and not keep it. So he decided he's going to set his alarm for 1.45 in the morning and get up from 2 to 3 and speak to God. Just hang out with Jesus as a friend. So he'd set his alarm. He'd get up, wash his face, go get a cup of tea, sit into his easy chair in his den, and then frame a picture of Jesus across from him. Say, Lord, how was your day? And he'd just wait. You know, conversation is... Not you going, see ya. Why is that person so rude? They never talk to me. Well, why don't you shut up and listen? I mean, be quiet. I didn't say shut up. <laughs> Look, so he learned to cultivate. He got so he absolutely loved this because God began to speak to him. That's good. How about them Yankees? Well, you know, I prefer the... They would just, they, they, Friends! One year later, he gets up, Gets in his chair, waiting for 2 o'clock, because God is punctual. That's what God... He, he hears the back gate open and close. He thought, that's strange. The back door opened and closed. Those were in the days you didn't have to lock everything. Footsteps down the hallway and in walked Jesus. In resurrected bodily form. Sat down across from him. Said, Walter, you put into practice a biblical principle you didn't even know about. Because you were willing to be my friend and you put this principle into practice that what you focus on, you will connect with. And connection will release activation. From this day on, you'll see me clearly with wide open eyes. From that day on, for the rest of his life, he saw Jesus openly. I heard this from Neville Johnson who practiced this and made all of his staff take an hour a day and practice this revolutionized everything. I said, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. I started practicing this. I had practice inviting Jesus all the time, but I never practiced the sanctified event, framing a picture, and then dialoguing. When I started doing that, and within a very short period of time, boom! Oh, there he is. The first time he appeared with clarity to me like that, we were in a meeting I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. I looked and there stood Jesus. My first thought was, did Jesus come in the flesh? You test every spirit every time. He smiled, went like this, and I saw the nail prints. He turned at me and smiled again. The piercing blue eyes. The love. The, I, I, you, there's no descriptive. I'm not really good at words like that. It's just overwhelming. He's about six foot two. Powerful. By the way, he's standing right here and wants to minister to you. How do I see him? How do I know? Look, even if this is a stretch for you, do something by faith. You never connect with God without faith. The greatest thing is to exercise your faith. Not to see and do, but to do so that you can see. You exercise faith. So here's what I want to do. Um, goodness.
Can we change this? Oh, I got you. Come over here. Form a line. Just quietly. I'm going to need two people to help me. He saves the best for last. You get to go last. A man and a woman. You just come up here and for less than 10, 15 seconds. I don't, don't come here and stay. I'm not moving because we'll move you. Because there's everybody here needs an encounter with God. He can do more in a second than you can do in a lifetime. Stand here. He's going to minister to you. It's going to change your life. Close your eyes and focus on Him. Don't look at us. Don't look at everybody else. With purpose and intent, frame a picture. Some of you, you're going to have your eyes instantly opened. You're going to see Him. So form a line quietly. I'm not going to say anything. I'm done. You guys are the ones helping? Okay. Don't let him stand there. You've you got to go over there. The line's over that way. Don't let him stand here. Ten seconds. Move him on because they always stop. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You just made him step forward. That's good. He's right there. Okay, come on. Close your eyes when you get there. Okay, now just close your eyes and wait there for a minute as Jesus ministers to you.